It's time to tell somebody about Jesus. To Reverend Cavanis, Co-Pastor Cavanis, Smith, Robinson, Lawrence, and Reverend Holland, all the deacons, deaconess, members, and missionaries everywhere, good morning. When Miss Pat, our illustrious missions president, asked me to bring the message today, my first response was, huh? Um, I later recovered and began to pray for guidance. I obviously agree, because here I am. First, I want to thank the Lord for giving me the words and showing me the way. It took a lot of praying for this to happen. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, Lord. I also have to thank my family, especially uh -huh. Joe, who had to live with me while I researched uh -huh. and wrote and okay. researched yes. and rewrote and for our 37 years together. Oh. I love you too. Yeah. All right. Thanks to my son Matthew and my mom for being there when I needed you and for your love and moral support. You may not realize how a few words like, you can do this, means to me, but it means a lot. I also want to say thank you to my sisters in Christ, the Abigail Circle. We've been together for a long time, and I know that you're seeing me here on a fifth Sunday is a shock. <laughs> That's my day off. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all our praise. We thank you that in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we see your love, justice, mercy, grace, and victory. You are the God who provides for your children. I pray that missionaries everywhere will share your true heart and love with those they come in contact with. And maybe someone will say, what must I do to be saved? Let the Holy Spirit fill us today as we gather here. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The word mission comes from the Latin verb missio which means to send. A missionary is one who is sent somewhere, usually a journey or trip, to spread the word of God in a territory or foreign country. Missionaries have always been special to God. He calls ordinary people to participate in his work to bring salvation to the world. It is God who calls the missionary and he sends them on their mission. There are lots of missionaries in the Bible. Some you may not think of as missionaries. There's Jonah, the reluctant missionary. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to prophesize against the wickedness of the city. Well, Jonah tried to escape from the call to proclaim the word of God, not because he feared for his life, but because Nanuba might repent and thereby be saved. So he took a boat to Tarshish 
and we all know what happened. Jonah landed in the belly of a big fish for three days. There, he realized that he was just the mission of the messenger and that God was the sender. And if God wanted to give Nineveh salvation, who was he to say no? While inside the fish, Jonah spoke to God. In Jonah 2, verses 8 and 9, he, in the, he says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And Jonah went to Nineveh and told the people's God's message, and they repented, and God did not destroy the city. There are other Old Testament missionaries. One was a little slave girl in 2 Kings. This was the young girl who had been captive and saved and sent to Aram, which is in present-day Syria, to serve in the house of Naaman. Now remember, Naaman was a powerful, important man, the commander of the king's army, but he was afflicted with leprosy. The little slave girl had good news to share. She knew about a man in her home country named Elisha, a prophet of God, and if Naaman would visit the prophet, she knew he could be healed. Of course, after much reluctance, Naaman finally did as he was directed and was healed. But more importantly, he believed and knew God was the one true God. In 2 Kings 5, verse 17 and 18, Naaman is speaking to Elisha, and he says to him, and this is from the New International Version, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ryman to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Ryman, May the Lord forgive your servant for this. All because a little slave girl was sent to Aram, and she knew a prophet of God and spread the word of God. She was a missionary. Jesus is the missionary. He was sent by his father to bring salvation to the world, and in doing so, he made missionaries of many. During Jesus' ministry, he transformed many lives. As he walked among people, he healed their ails, gave relief to their souls, enriched their lives with his love. Everyone he touched had a personal story to tell about how Jesus changed their lives, and many of them told their story. The man Jesus freed from the many demons was one. His story is told in Mark 5. This poor, nameless man had a miserable existence. He lived in tombs, you know, graveyards, and that that wasn't bad enough. He was often chained hand and foot, and still he tore the chains apart. The demons were racking his body. No one could subdue him, and he would cry out, he cut himself. He lived in agony, if you call that living. 
they were, the demons torturing him were called legion. And Jesus released them from his torment. He gave the man a life. After he met Jesus, he was a new creature. And after Jesus cast out the demons and freed the man, Jesus left the area. But the man, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man said, I want to go with you. But Jesus didn't let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And the man went away and began to tell all the people in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The man formerly possessed by demons was a missionary because he told folks what Jesus had done for him. Mary Magdalene was the first to find the empty tomb. She was the first witness and missionary. She told the disciples, he's risen. There was Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Philip. Their mission was to travel the known world, telling everyone about the way to salvation through Jesus Christ and spreading the good news of God's love. But what about us? In Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, Jesus gives this last message to his disciples. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always, even until the end of the world. This is known as the Great Commission, and we are part of it. In Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus told his disciples, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. What Jesus was telling them was, okay, you know what happened. You know the gospel. You know the good news. Now go tell someone. Share what you know. Tell folks about me. Show them the way to salvation. And guess what? Jesus is talking to us too. Jesus made all of us missionaries and witnesses. A witness is defined as one who has personal knowledge of something. We have personal knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. We know the good news. Now it's up to us to tell someone. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? Well, there was a great dislike between the Jews and Samaritans. Jews were to avoid the impure land of Samaria, and the Samaritans weren't supposed to talk to Jews. And then along came Jesus. And not only was he talking to a Samaritan, he was talking to a woman. Oh, that's bad. And he stopped, you know, to rest by a well while the disciples went to get some food. And then this woman comes, fetch water. He asked her for a drink. You know, a woman. Jesus talked to her and told her all about herself and told her he would offer her living water. Now, you know she's thinking he's talking in riddles. He has no bucket. What is this living water? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give 
will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, at first the woman thought Jesus was just a prophet. And he told her that salvation was from the Jews. And that the time is coming and when it's now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And then he told her who he really was. The disciples returned. The woman left her water jug, went into town crying, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came unto him. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman who testified, he told me all I ever did. All she had to do was go into town and tell people what she, our conversation she had with Jesus and everybody said, Okay, let's see this. And they started to believe. The Samaritan woman was a missionary and a witness. She had personal knowledge of who Jesus was. Then she told everyone in town about Jesus. It was so, it was so great the Samaritans invited Jesus to say, Now this is Samaria. They don't talk to Jews. And here they invite him to stay. And just like that, good news was spread. During his time on earth, Jesus would work in someone's life and they would simply share their story with others. These are ordinary folks, just like us, telling other folks about Jesus and what he has done in their lives. That's why Jesus told his disciples, you must also tell others about me. We all have our personal story of what God has done for us how our lives have changed since Jesus came into it, how our walk with Jesus has made a difference in who we are. This is our mission, to tell our story. Jesus said, go and teach all nations. But before you quit your job, get a passport, pack your clothes, load a suitcase full of Bibles, and buy a ticket somewhere, there are things you can do closer to home. We can bring others to Christ by developing relationships with people we interact with every day. When you think about telling somebody, what about the people at our jobs, at the gym, at the grocery store? Essentially, Jesus is saying, as you're going about your lives, tell somebody about me. Sometimes it's just being kind to love others as Jesus loved us. Do you want people to learn about Jesus' love? Then you need to show God's love to people. Do we want people to learn about Jesus' compassion? Then we need to be compassionate. Do we want people to study God's word? Then we need to take time to study it for ourselves. I have been a follower of Christ since I was a little girl. I had a collection of Bible stories for little children. My mom used to read them to me and then I read them on my own. And years later, Matthew's godmother gave him the updated version and I read them to him. I love the story about the baby Jesus and Jesus and the little children. And I also had a test copy of the New Testament, which I read. And I even asked for a, uh, a full Bible when I was a little girl for Easter present. But what really brought me to Jesus, wait for it, Scary movies. 
Scary movies gave me nightmares. I was afraid to go to sleep. I just would tremble because the nightmare scared me so much. And then I read the 23rd Psalm. Verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Okay. Now, I wasn't sure. I was a little kid, so I wasn't sure what a rod and a staff was. I had to look it up. But that didn't matter. What mattered was I knew Jesus was with me, and I wasn't afraid anymore. I did look up the rod and the staff. The staff is known as a shepherd's hook, and that was used by shepherds to gather the sheep closer to the shepherd for protection. And the rod was a sturdy stick used to ward off predators. Jesus was gathering me close and warding off the bad guys. But all I knew at the time was that Jesus was with me and I wasn't afraid. I know Jesus is my salvation and my joy. But most importantly, I know he knows me by my name. And that's my story to share. I had a woman say to me once that she didn't like me because I was happy. <laughs> and I told her it was because I knew Jesus loved me. I have joy in my life because of Jesus. She didn't say anything. There are many ways we can carry out our personal mission for Christ. We can invite friends and acquaintances to join us in church. But take into consideration that for some folks that can be a big step. There are people out there who have never been inside a church because the world is telling them they can do everything on their own and they don't need God you may have to start smaller and slower. We have a marvelous way of using technology to bring others to Christ. Have you told anyone about our teleconference prayer meeting on Wednesday nights? Or our live stream service? Or teleconference Sunday school? That might be an easier way for new folks to begin to learn about Jesus and that he's the way to salvation. Follow up with them. But remember, we live in an unbelieving world. Don't be surprised if these people think they're not good enough or worthy enough or haven't done enough to deserve to be saved. That's when you tell them what being a follower of Christ has done for you. Let them know this love you have, that salvation is free and from the Lord, and that Jesus knows that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's when you tell them, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a works, so no one can boast. We can share the good news of Jesus Christ by being a friend and a good listener. Call people and check on them. Let them know you're thinking about them. Listen to them and really hear what they have to say. You may be the only person they've talked to that day. You don't know that. 
We can encourage folks, like Paul said in Thessalonians 5 and 11, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Tell them about God's promises. Tell your story and the good news that God is for them, not against them. Thank them for the ways they have inspired you. Tell them that you are praying for them and don't forget to do it. In some instances, you may have to stop, drop, and pray for someone right then and there. They might really need it. When I worked at the library, I've been retired a few years now, we had a group of regular kids. One was a teen that I'd known since you know elementary school. I'd been there that long. And he acted up a lot in the library. And a coworker and I used to talk to him about his behavior constantly, because he always picked the wrong friends. And we figured out it was a cry for attention. So we used to give him a little extra attention. One cold day, I saw he didn't have any gloves. So I gave him a pair of gloves, extra gloves I had that were bright yellow. And here's a you know, teenage boy. And he wore those gloves every day. He was so appreciative. He came over a few days later and thanked me again for him, them, and then we talked about his life. And he told me that his mom was in and out of his life and he wanted to live with an older sister, but she lived in another state and he didn't want to leave his friends, the friends that would get him in trouble, or change schools. But a coworker and I, the one that used to talk to him a lot, encouraged him to talk to his sister. He did and his sister became his legal guardian, and he moved in with her. Sometime later, he came back for a visit, and he told me that he had graduated from high school, and that he had a job, and that he had joined church. He told me that he knew my coworker and I were both Christians, because he'd hear us talking about church stuff. And he told me that he knew we cared about him, and that was why we kept talking to him and encouraging him and tried to keep him out of trouble. He said that made him want to come to Jesus. Needless to say, I had tears in my eyes and gave him a big hug. As Christians, we have hope, and that hope is found in Jesus Christ. But we need to tell folks why we have hope. We need to keep talking about Jesus and what he has done for us, how he has changed our lives. We need to keep spreading the good news. We need to tell somebody. In 1 Peter, in the NIV version, uh, verses, chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You can't fight folks about Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Our hope is our testimony. Our testimony is our mission. One day, you'll tell your story of how God came into your life and helped you overcome what you're going through right now. And it will become someone's path to salvation. 
In our mission meetings, we always end our mission with the mission pledge. I pledge by daily reading, meditation, and communion with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to live an upright Christian life, to practice his teachings in my dealings with my fellow man, to dedicate my talent and give of my time, influence, and means to teaching or spreading of the Christian religion at home and abroad, to win souls through personal service for Christ, to encourage and help in the enlistment of young people in Christian work, and to make my home a center of Christian light and love. To these ends, I pledge to devote myself and seek divine aid and guidance daily that I might become a living witness and a bright and shining light for my Lord. Thank you very much. Yeah.